What is up, team? Welcome back to the Red Storm Rap Reaction Podcast. I'm Pat Kane, and don't you know it, St. John's played, so St. John's lost again. And because we lost, I found it fitting to bring my good friend Cole Latshaw back on. He uh, only hangs around on, on losses, so uh, made sure to put the call in at halftime, thinking maybe we'd sneak out a win and we'd see Cole after a win. But looks like I put the hex on us, Cole. I'm sorry. Yeah. Back by popular demand, uh, Pat. I only work when we do losses, so you know, keep that in mind. If we're gonna win, so a game, you're a busy like, man. You're a busy <laughs> man, because that's all we have at St. John's fans is losses. That's right. Um, I was just saying to you before we started, Cole. Like this was a game where I mean, we could talk for hours about the the miscues and the disaster that just ensued, and it's it's pathetic that St. John's lost that game. I don't know how it, it was this, but I never felt like we were going to lose that game. As unconfident as I am in St. John's this year, as little hope as they've given us that, that they would finish off a game, I just felt like tonight they were going to get the job done. And what do you know it? I spoke too soon. And it was uh, mishap after mishap. And even then, Butler was given uh, doing everything they could to let us win that game, missing free throws, turning it over themselves, and we still couldn't get out of our own way. And, you know, maybe a little bad break on that last – play it was a nicely executed play but the ball did get tipped and didn't have enough time maybe if it would have fouled i'm, I'm rambling now cole you go ahead your, your well, thoughts silly you i don't know why you would think that st john's would end a game in any other fashion it's just typical groundhog day with st john's the don't it's score a field goal don't score a field goal in the final three minutes and 50 seconds Butler ends the game on a 10 to two run i know we've had the same exact conversation before but i just think any coach worth his salt when a, the bleeding is happening like that you can draw something up pull the team together run a play and get a basket and mike anderson is just absolutely incapable of doing that it seems every time we get down to to nut cutting time to winning time and this team just can't seem to put the ball in the basket and it's insanely frustrating nut cutting time i like that one i'm gonna put that in my pocket for uh for later cole Coleism. Um, before i you know go at coach anderson for the, the things he did wrong let's just say that play to, to potentially tie it there give him credit or whoever drew it up in the in the huddle you know we would have to eat crow if we were in the middle of saying he can't draw plays then before you know it he, he drew one up for a tie game of course you know the ball got tipped and didn't count but a little bit of credit has to go there now we twice tonight twice tonight out of timeouts twice the same exact shot on opposite ends of the court out of timeouts the play from the baseline out of bounds was a Curbelo fadeaway corner jumper, mid-range shot. You know, not a three-point shot where you get the out of 50% bonus, not a layup in the paint, a fadeaway jumper. That's the play out of a timeout twice. I'm sure that's exactly what the coaches wanted. Right? The, the, the scary thing is, is, is who knows if it is or it isn't. I mean, if it happens a second time, a part of me believes that they didn't have a problem with the first time. And, you know, he did make one of those shots. It's just the fact that if you're going to be living off things like that, the sustainability is is non-existent. It, it's it's mind-boggling, and it sucks because tonight was a fantastic game from Posh. A, 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 such an overdue performance from him, and this reminded me of the Providence game last year at home, where he had a phenomenal game, close to 38 points. I think he had 28, 11 assists, and we just couldn't get over the hump and, and, and lost to Providence at home when we were in the middle of a rut. This kind of felt like that, and again, Posh was doing everything he could, and we just couldn't get out of that rut. 
And I think, especially in the first half, I think that's the best half of basketball we've seen him play all year. I, this is the posh that we hoped we were going to get in his junior year, that we thought he would take the next step. Tonight, he had that, which he hasn't really shown all year. I think in the first half, he had 10 points on five of six shooting, five rebounds, three assists, most importantly, no turnovers. Still had a really good second half, too. 17 points, eight of 11 shooting, nine rebounds, six assists, but three turnovers and you hate to and i'm kill. pretty sure i can't do that so i can't that's hey what all <laughs> i know was number three you hate to kill you hate to kill a kid when he had such a great night and really carried us but how backbreaking was that turnover with 20 seconds left throwing the ball behind his back to soriano no need to get pretty we're down by two and he i my dad, as a high school coach, would have made me walk home for doing something like that. So, I, you know, I... There's going to be a lot of folks that are saying it hit him in the chest. It hit him in the chest. I don't know. You know, I feel for Posh there because, you know, it did get to the intended place. But like you said, it's behind the back at the wrong time. Fancy doesn't get the job done. And he, he compounded it in my mind. This might be a, a bad take. I hate when kids show up the other teammate. You know, Soriano dropped the ball and Posh is there standing with his hands up like this for a legitimate three or four seconds before he get, gets back into play. And Posh is like, you know, the one guy you would never have to question his effort, his work ethic, all that stuff that leads to being like more than just a basketball player. But in that moment, I, I, I really hated to see it. So I'm going to cut him a sense of slack because it's, it's not his, his vibe usually. But it, right then, I, it just kind of summed up the feeling of the whole team. I thought they just are, you know, lost for words or you know their emotions are bubbling up they're they're really frustrated and tonight you know you could see it in Soriano's eyes before he got the opportunity to tie that game and I can only imagine what he's feeling now but when he's sitting on the bench after that really rough stretch the last three or four minutes and I got the notes written down we'll get into the details it was um you could see like some some bad bad spots in those in those kids faces mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know you love to always talk about timeouts and coach not taking the timeouts when he had them. What did you think about him calling that timeout then when we immediately got the turnover? The ball ends up in Soriano's hands. Corbello's wide open along the baseline, <laughs> screaming for the ball. He doesn't pass to him initially, eventually gets to him. It still looks like Corbello might have a good look at the rim, even when it gets to him. And the clock, the, the game just stops on a timeout that I, the announcers even had no idea what was going on. I right. was you, dumbfounded. I mean, obviously, Soriano was a little hesitant. And I, I think, like you sort of just laid out, he was sort of having moments with himself at the end of that game. But it, it, I still thought Corbello had a reasonable look to tie the game there. And all of a sudden, if I'm right, if I'm remembering it correctly, that was the same possession where Cabello like drove from the opposite baseline, lost it, regained it, and missed the layup, and that was like the, the uh, ensuing uh, Soriano got the rebound. Got steal, yeah. So I'm gonna cut Soriano some slack because Cabello was open, but perhaps he was just thinking, "What is Cabello gonna do with it? Maybe not confident. Maybe he's got a point." Would have and been once right he didn't now. give it to him, or, uh, once he didn't pass to him, you know, right right away when he was open, and Cabello looked frustrated as hell too. Kind of did the same thing Posh did. I thought the right call was to call a timeout. Not if they weren't going to pass him right away. You know, if you're a good coach, call a timeout, get us set up, and maybe get us into something. But you know, that's not always the thing. I I think what happened after that was that the pin zone pass in the air, Soriano missed layup that followed that, or was that before? There was so many mishaps. It's all bundled together. All I know is we didn't score. That's all I do know. I'm that much I'm certain of. We didn't put the ball in the basket. I remember that correctly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you mentioned three turnovers by or by uh, Posh in the second. I'm, I know Wusu ended with three turnovers. I'm pretty sure he had none in the first half. So that's 
six turnovers by two of those guys in the second half. Wasu had a, a really rough second half. He had a, a nice defensive play late that kind of gave us a chance, but he was getting toasted in the first half, toasted in the beginning of the second half. Um, the coach just got him on a couple of threes, some back doors, some, um, you know, times guys drew, drew, drove right by him. That's not usually his his weakness, but everyone's kind of regressing to the mean there on the defensive end, and that's not good. I thought he had a, a few good offensive possessions in the first half. Um, I think he hit a few, at least one three, if I, I remember correctly. And But it, it seemed like, especially in the second half, he – gets by his man he can get the ball to the rim and then he was hesitant at the rim and kept getting trapped underneath the rim at least the one he got called for the travel uh, he, he's always getting bumped as we you and i complain about every single game so there's never a foul call he's never going to get a foul ever yeah so, he gets bottled foul. up in there like he can't get up off his feet when he's like not at a full running sprint he can kind of you know he can jump off one foot but like when he's down low he can't he can't get up off his feet he gets gob gobbled up in the paint and i think the guys just aren't playing off him like they used to they know he doesn't want to drive to finish he wants to drive to pass so he's got no one left open and the next thing you know he's like nowhere to go but up and it's he struggles with it he was he had a decent stretch i thought in the middle of part of the year where he was making his shots inside and kind of reverted back to that lately um stanley you know your boy i figured i'd bring it back up got got again uh, again got the courtesy start um didn't remember seeing much of him in the second half um what i do remember in the second half and this is just a you know a funny point i thought i mentioned because uh, we're going to go ahead and defend A.J. Storr, who I, I wanted to see a lot more of tonight. Um, I'm not going to point to his defensive deficiencies when the whole team was struggling there. I thought he was actually – he got on the floor early. He made a couple plays defensively. But in the second half, Coach Anderson looked like he took him out when he dropped the pass. It happened immediately after he dropped the pass. And I couldn't help but think how ironic that was, considering A.J. Storr on um, two previous plays in that same half made two really good passes, one time to Stanley – who dropped the pass, and another time to Soriano, who dropped the pass. There would have been two layup attempts. So, like, that's the type of stuff where you really got to question what a kid will be thinking when, mm -hmm. you know, it's one thing if you're just getting beat blatantly on defense. It's another thing if the mistake you made is a physical error, you're dropping a pass, and, you know, previously it happened to two other guys, but you're getting yanked for that. You, you can't help but think what is a kid thinking in that situation. Yeah, it's funny. You brought up Stanley. I absolutely wanted to say that. Um, in the second half, of, if I'm remembering correctly, I thought he actually had a really good couple of minutes stretch there right at the beginning of the second half. I think he had uh, at least two baskets, um, had a block, a really nice rebound in traffic. And I immediately thought like, wow, you know, sort of you had mentioned before, the end of Bunny, like kind of giving us good solid minutes. And then shortly thereafter, I don't remember if there was a mistake that happened or something, but his butt was glued to the bench, for, I think, for the remainder of the game. So he got that, you yeah. know, obligatory start to come in there in the, in the second half and then promptly you know, gave us a, some solid energy minutes and then got his butt glued to the bench. But I, I thought store struggled a little bit offensively. I don't know what he, he ended with maybe like four or so I, points. I think he I, had four points. We'll, yeah. We can pull the box for in a second. I, yeah. I, I know he missed at least one wide open corner three, which anytime you see him in the corner, I corner immediately think that's going in, especially when he's yeah, open. I, I remember he missed that. Um, uh, which, I mean, he's a young player. Of course, he's going to have his struggles. He's going to have his ups and downs. And I think, to your point, I he's shown us what he can do offensively. I'd love to just ride out his struggles at times and give him the minutes that we need to let him have to develop his game. 
one thing I wanted to ask you what you think, because I know, you know, you've got a little bit of coaching background in you. Like, do you ever watching, watching store, do you ever think he kind of falls in love too much with the three and, and specifically watching him like off ball? I sometimes don't see a lot of movement. He's kind well, of just, probably, which not even, maybe that's obviously not even his fault. That's might be just what's going up, but it seems like he just camps out in that corner and sometimes there'll be full possession. Yeah. He doesn't even move from there. The system doesn't help him at all, but it, it's it's funny you brought that up. There was one thing I wanted to point out in the for, in the second half. Poshman a lamp, and then we got a steal, and then we pushed the ball up the court. And instead of store like forcing a two on two fast break, he kicked it to, to Posh in the corner. And then the ball got packed to, to uh, store, and he ended up having a nice drive to get the mid range jumper. That was the yes. the one um, shot he made tonight. Besides the lamp uh, mm-hmm. drive he had in the first half, but that was kind of you know in line with him. Um, not forcing, just looking for threes or fast break layups. He made the right decision, didn't force it, and the ball came back to him, and he made a nice play. Yep. Um, I, I agree 100% that um, off the ball, I think it's more just our system. We don't we don't use him enough, and then he gets caught just standing around waiting, and it's just a bad case, all things considered. One, obviously, we don't have the guys that will be in the paint making plays to get that guy open for if you're just going to stand around. And two – um we hold on to the ball very long on the perimeter so there'll be times where you standing in the corner you, you could get forget you could get forgotten about and it's not even like there's action going on it's just yeah. aim, aimless passes or aimless holding the ball so i've screamed from the mountaintops i mean make the kid a screener you know if that's all you want to do make him a screener force his defender to have to be in a bunch of different situations where they got to read and react and he's a big physical kid. Um, and usually, you know, you set good screens, you get yourself open. And that's an easy way just to utilize him. If you're not going to run sets for him, let him be active as a screener. You know, we could talk. We could talk for hours, Cole, I mean, about about this guy and his utilization of his players. And it's it's not good. It's not good. Um, I don't even know where, where you go with store because, like, if you're not going to play him 35 minutes, tonight in a game and I get I get Pinzone was hot and maybe he, he'd probably say if he were to talk to us that you don't want to have those two guys on the court too much together but you know you scored 66 points on the road against Butler and um you know they're not a team that's going to outscore you and I know like our MO is to push the pace and sometimes I'll be like well I think we could be better if we slowed it down mm-hmm. now I'm sitting out the other side of my mouth spinning out the other side of my mouth saying Butler's a team that's not going to keep up with you if, you if you look to score and you know if you don't if you don't score 70 points against Butler, I think you, you leave yourself open to lose. And um, Store is one of those guys. He didn't have Store in the court on that uh, two inbounds plays either. Just just another note. You know, he had Wusu in on both those plays and not Store. I would have liked to have Store on that court to get a bucket. Sure. And why? Did he play tonight? Uh, he had a few minutes. Yeah, I, I think in, in the, the first, first half. half. Let's yeah. take a look at the box score. I don't think he did anything. He might have one basket. Yeah. yeah, there it is. 68-66, we scored 25 points in the second half. The only thing that's good about tonight in green is those those two guys, Posh and Pinzone, scoring the ball. Everything else is rough. I mean, we only went to the line six times. That's not good enough for the how many um, few easy baskets we get. Four threes. I'm pretty sure we had four threes going into the half. If I'm right about that. Maybe, I, maybe I'm mistaken there. Um, but um, not many from deep. And uh, the 50% should be good enough, but I'm pretty sure that was um, much higher going into the half or over 50%. So second half, obviously, the shooting wasn't there. Soriano gets his, you know, cursory double-double for the stats' sake, but um, he got outplayed tonight by Bates, I thought. Especially in the first half. Yeah, Bates was crushing him. I think 
Bates at halftime had like 12 points, five rebounds. Butler uh, had seven offensive rebounds in the first half, nine on the game. Like I, we were really getting killed there, especially in the first half down low. Yeah, I, I think I had that. I was looking at earlier the first half, right? Up seven points. You could see 55 points in the first half. Um, they had seven offensive rebounds in the first half. They only shot 40% in the first half. But if you look overall, 41% for the game. So they shot a little better in the second half. It's us who shot 49%. So a much worse shooting second half for us. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's brutal. Wait, what did it say? We were four for eight from three in the first half. So, yeah, we didn't hit any threes mm -hmm. in the second half. Ten-point lead squandered. I think we had a um, six-point lead with five minutes left. We pushed it up to, and then, you know, they stay within striking distance. But just uh, – over and over again, and Soriano, it sucks. We're kind of spoiled with how well he played in the beginning of the year. Now that yeah. a 12 and 11 game doesn't look great, and you know the missed layups are one thing, but still think there's been years where you know we'd be dying for this performance from our center. As sad as that is, but what we saw for 17 games is uh, really, you know, spoiled us to what to expect. And tonight, if he would have just been a little bit better, if he would have been 10% better, you know, or a second quicker as a team, and we would have got that win tonight. While I mentioned that second again, how about, you know, speaking of lack of coaching, and this is, you know, unbelievable malpractice, or, you know, maybe the, the players just didn't follow his orders, but from like 25 seconds to 12 seconds was just aimless dribbling by Butler. We didn't look to foul. I mean, that's 12 seconds. We're down two. The only move there is to foul. Like, they're going to run up the shot clock. It, it wasn't like, you know, we were down eight and the game was over. You're down two points. You're, you're going to foul and you're going to extend the game and you let 12 valuable seconds. Does it look like those seconds matter, Cole? And you can tell, obviously, part of that is coaching because he's telling them to try to trap, telling them to go for a steal, which is something me personally, like, I always hate that. I feel like if you don't get that steal immediately, then foul and extend the game. Like, I hate that, you know, where you're trying to force them to make another pass and see if you can steal that. It's, I, I just think if you don't have that immediate steal in the inbounds, then you should be fouling. But yeah, yeah. I absolutely did to just piss away that many seconds of game time. And then that Butler guy promptly misses two free throws. It's like, that was exactly what you wanted. But unfortunately you let all those seconds tick away. And he's an 80% free throw shooter. So that was a gift. <laughs> and yeah. And then the pass from was Sue up the side on the pin zone before he got fouled. It took like another three seconds. It felt credit to our coaching staff for being on that right there to get the ball on the baseline. They're about to have us in down yeah. the ball on the sideline. Yep. And we, we were going to let them get away with that. So, you know, obviously it's your job to understand that shit. So you shouldn't be getting pat in the back. But, you know, we, we made a point and we ended up getting a much better look because of it. I don't know how good – I don't know much about Thad Mata as a coach, but I was thinking on that long pass by Wazoo where they fouled Pinzone. Like how heady of a play is that by the by the kid who made the foul? Is that Thad Mata coaching them, telling them they had a foul to give? I didn't recognize it in real time that they had a foul to give, but you could tell the guy purposely fouled him on purpose. Oh, it was a – yeah, it was a very smart play. He puts you in a tough spot. I, you mm -hmm. know, I don't, well, you'd have to ask Thad Mata if he, if he knew that we'd get the ball underneath the basket to inbound – would he rather us just play it out or not? If you're unbounded on the sideline in the in the in the backcourt, it's definitely definitely the smart play. Mm -hmm. um, Pinzone made the shot too, didn't? I mean, obviously didn't get yeah, yeah, the, the shot, of course. Yeah. Wow. So I think we've only got three home games left now. Connecticut, who looked fucking phenomenal again tonight, they're gonna mm -hmm. have revenge. You can't get swept by St. John's, right? They'll look terrible <laughs> on your tournament resume. Um, Providence coming up. You know, yeah. I think we we played Providence tough on the road. That was, you know, I, that was the inaugural live game for me. So I'll always remember that one. 
But um, special place. Cooley's right. tough, and Cooley loves the Garden, and they need a win too to tack onto their resume. And St. John just doesn't have as much to play for anymore, except this pride thing, and who knows how much that's worth. And uh, the other home game, why isn't why am I drawing a blank on it? Uh, Creighton, Creighton. So three grueling home games against teams that are you know top of the conference, and then the other road games. Who knows? Can you beat Georgetown and DePaul on the road? I don't know. Can you beat Butler? No. Well, you said one of the things that I, I wanted to bring up. It's, it, I was looking at the standings and wondering to myself, is what do we even have to play for at this point for the rest of the season? I mean, obviously you want to be playing well going into the Big East tournament. Um, but really, I think right now the only room we have to move is with Nova being above us. I think Nova's in the, the seventh seed right now. Um, so we're kind of locked in, especially after losing today. I think we're now down two losses to them. With the schedule we have, I think we're pretty much locked into that 8-9 game, which would, again, if it ended today, would be against Butler. Um, best case scenario, again, you move up to 7, you're still playing on that first night, then you'd be playing right. DePaul. Obviously, you'd prefer to play DePaul on that first night, but I just I can't tell you the last time in my memory when St. John's has not played on that first night of the Big East tournament, and that's insanely <laughs> frustrating. Well, even two years ago when we got the 4-5 seed. That would be it, yeah. Right, but we were, we were the only team out of like the five teams that get a bye that had to play. Um, there was something with it. I forget what the. Oh no, no, the four and five don't play the Wednesday night, but the one, two, and three get a bye. They play the winners of the other three games. So we, we essentially had a bye, but we knew who our uh, opponent was. Some, some deal. Seen beat us. That's all I remember from it. But um, yeah, it's. Nothing to play for standings wise or moving up like seating wise. I think it's just you gotta hope they don't want to, you know, they're gonna go on the court and want to beat the team in front of them, of and that'll be enough. But it's not looking pretty, is it, Cole? No, it is not, my friend. Well, I promise, dude, I'm gonna get you on here after a win sometime. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'll promise if we do win, I'll have you on. I don't know if I can promise a that's, win, which is that's a big if. Yeah, I'm gonna sad to say, you, do that. you promised a St. John's win before yeah, the end of the season. You've, you listeners out there, put your bets in, and when will when will a win happen so we can get Cole on? I, I keep getting all these messages. We want them more, more, more of that Cole guy, more of that Cole guy. I'm like, gotta give people what they want. Pat. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, the people want to win too, and I'm not giving them that. But <laughs> thanks as always, Cole. Um, did you think of a player you want to shout out tonight? I, I promised you, I'd, I'd give you the the runway for that. Oh, let's let's sh let's shout let's shout out. Uh, how about my favorite St. John's basketball player of all time, D'Angelo Harrison? Wow. One of my favorites, too. Maybe my favorite as well. Okay, folks. Well, for Pat Kane and Cole Latshaw, we're D'Angelo Harrison. This is the Red Star Rap Reaction Podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. Thanks, bro.